Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history lying just beneath the surface. I'm your host, Jem Daduchu, and what we're talking about this time around is, whatever you do, don't look up. Now, this was actually a suggestion from Twitter. As always, I'm at Jem Daduchu on Twitter. Please find me, say hello, give me suggestions. I was sitting there going, yeah, you know, I enjoyed watching the film, and I think I can do something about this, because in a way I can show you how history shows you that actually we love looking up, but that's obviously not quite the point of the film. This comet is what we call a planet killer. Now, the film itself is going to take us into modern political satire. It's going to show you the incredibly exciting film career of the director and writer Adam McKay. I think that's how you say it. And also, it's going to take us all over the world through all eras, but Obviously, a lot of it might have something to do with today. So if you don't know what Don't Look Up is, well, actually, it's one of these films which is, in every possible way, a sign of its times. But as a movie, it's a sign of its time. Unfortunate sign of the times. So what do I mean by that? And I know I've mentioned this before, but I'll, I'll just sort of quickly run through this with you again. If you go back to, let's say, the year is 1990, and you wanted to make a serious drama, and you needed a bit of budget. Perhaps it's set in the Victorian era. So, you, you you know, you need to have some sort of decent sets and you're going to have to have a couple of horses and that kind of stuff, different costumes, etc., which you just couldn't buy off the rack. Then you're going to have to make a movie because that's the one that's going to have the budget to buy all that stuff. So in 1990, if you were a serious actor and serious director, the prestige products were in the movies. TV was fine, but it had only been, well, I mean, in 1990, when the biggest hits around the world was Baywatch. And while it was a huge hit, I'm going to say it probably wasn't the best written or acted thing out there. I hope you agree with me. And when, when I first saw Baywatch, I thought, do I really want to do another show like this? The sizzle reel, which was rescue guys in slow motion on the beach. So, fast forwarding now, the reason why I picked 1990s, by the end of the 90s, we get the granddaddy of all these high class, high quality dramas on TV, The Sopranos. I'm serious. Now, serious is what happens if you don't pay, by my hand. <laughs> 
But since then, there's been, I don't know, Boardwalk Empire, The Wire, and so on and so forth. Just, which one's your favourite? Is it Succession at the moment? Was it Billions? There are just so many of these extremely well-made, very expensive TV shows that run for series and series, usually from the likes of Netflix and HBO, which allowed sort of stronger language and more graphic scenes of like of an adult nature or of violence, etc. So they kind of beat NBC or the BBC, for example. Now in the 21st century, if you want to do serious drama, well, good news. Something like Succession is running series after series. So you have hours to develop these characters and not two hours and done. So that's one thing that's caused problems. And it was going in that direction anyway, because the budgets for the likes of HBO and Netflix, etc., are huge. I mean, comparable to the likes of a movie. By the end of its runtime, we had things like Game of Thrones that was costing $10 million an episode. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. There is no middle ground. 10 episode series, you're talking $100 million. That's as much as a Hollywood blockbuster would would cost. And what I found interesting is the big fight at Winterfell against the White Walkers. That episode came out at about the same time as Avengers Infinity War. Now, one was one of the biggest grossing movies of all time, did gross over $2 billion. And yet the fight between those two the battles between this thing on TV and this thing on the big screen, Hollywood at its, at its loudest and sort of explosioniest, it held its own Game of Thrones. Now, you, you may have preferred one over the other or whatever, but the point is, back in 1990, a battle scene on TV would have been six or seven people rudely shoving, and that's it. So, yes, yeah, so partly people just simply will not be making the likes of Shawshank Redemption or something like that nowadays, or Dances with Wolves. It'll be a mini-series on Netflix. It won't. It's not that people aren't interested in the drama, but it's just not what's setting the box office on fire. Add to that the pandemic, and what has been shown again and again is if it's aimed for younger, if it's like The Croods 2, which was a big hit and was in the cinemas for a long, long time because parents kept taking their kids there, or if it's a Marvel movie like Shang-Chi, then again, it's going to do good box office. The only movie that made over a billion dollars at the box office worldwide in 2021 was Spider-Man No Way Home. Ever since I got bit by that spider, I've only had one week where my life has felt normal. I thoroughly enjoyed it for the record, but the point of it is that it was a great movie and it was leaning on 20 years of film history, if you like, but it was still skewed very young. At the same time, you had everybody sort of like raving about Steven Spielberg's recreation of West Side Story. It's one of Spielberg's rare flops, but there's nothing wrong with it. It's not a bad film. Nobody's saying, well, this is Spielberg at a 1942 level. That's one of his name, one of his movies, which is also a flop. No, he, you know, he's on fire. This is a five-star film, but it, it's going to appeal to older people. And in the height of a pandemic, is it worth risking your life to go and see a movie is what people are thinking. It was the same thing with Ridley Scott's The Last Jewel which was a hundred million dollar epic set in the Middle Ages. I've seen it. It was stuck onto Disney Plus only about five weeks after it was in the cinemas because nobody went to see it. I think its worldwide gross was less than 20 million dollars. It, it lost millions, tens of millions. But again, it wasn't a vanity project. There was nothing wrong with it. It's just not what people go to the cinema for. So with Adam McKay and Don't Look Up, that just isn't a film that's going to be stuck on the big screen. The last 
film he made did make it to the big screens called Vice. And the weird thing about Adam McKay is he's, my God, he's different as a director. This is the man who wrote, sort of, and directed Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! He's worked a lot of times with Will Ferrell, The Other Guys, Step Brothers, Talladega Nights. All these are Adam McKay movies, and therefore you'd think that why would he go from that to something more serious? He also did The Big Short, an incredibly powerful look at the financial crisis of 2008-2009. And also, as I said, Vice. This was a, a political movie. Now, it has funny elements in it. There's a very clever false credit scene running on that, where you think if things had ended at this point, it would have looked great. But no, no, he, he's going to make more mistakes. So Adam McKay clearly has this great sense of humor. Rick, where'd you get a hand grenade? I don't know. But at the same time, he can do serious stuff. The Big Short might have some amusing moments in it. It has got these great cameos where famous celebrities sort of keep your attention by explaining what they mean by shorting a market or things like that with Margot Robbie in a bubble bath. Here's Margot Robbie in a bubble bath to explain. Basically, Louis Rainieri's mortgage bonds were amazingly profitable for the big banks. He's still got his sense of humor, but it's very much toned down. If you did Ron Burgundy does the financial crisis of 2008, that would just be too much anarchy on the screen. Cannonball! With Don't Look Up, he's definitely more in the realms of Vice and the Big Short, but there's perhaps, it, 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 it's, no, I take that back. I'm going to say it's a midpoint. It's nowhere near as anarchic as the likes of the other guys or, or Anchorman. But at the same time, it is definitely funnier. It is more of a skewering satire type thing than the likes of The Big Short. So I have huge respect for this man. He has made me laugh a lot. He's also educated me with some of his other movies. Yeah, so when I heard about Don't Look Up, it's sort of like, oh yeah, I want to check this out. So if you don't know the basic story, and it's and it's one of these things where Netflix, because they want to win Oscars, and the Oscars are saying, eh, sorry, if it's just on TV, then it should be winning a Golden Globe for Best TV Movie. It needs to be in the cinema. And I, I agree with that. You know, there is a difference between movies and TV. It's why we don't give Best Actor Oscars to people people who are in TV shows. So yeah, you know, fair's fair on that one. So what Netflix does and Amazon and other streaming services is they tend to run these in a few key cinemas in somewhere like London and New York and LA and places like that for a couple of weeks, maybe three, and then it goes on to the actual channels. So yeah, that, that, that's great. That works. That's fine. Wonderful. And I was cheap. I waited till it was on Netflix for free. And it, the weird thing is, it was dropped on Christmas Eve, which, you know, Christmas Eve should be a fun time. Actually, do you know what? I'm going to share something with you guys. This has got nothing to do with this podcast or topic now. Boy, was the end of 2021 bad for me. I was able to record some of these with this going on in the background. And hopefully this will get you a little bit of respect. And if you respect it, then please, give me a good review give me some some subscriptions or some five-star reviews on whatever podcast you're listening to but check this out okay at the end of november
remember, I was driving down a road, minding my own business, when a Range Rover was coming from the opposite direction on an A road and was turning into the sort of central reservation where you wait your turn, you can then turn into you the other lane of traffic. And I saw this car coming towards us, and obviously that's what the maneuver they were going to do, but they started accelerating. And then they whipped around that corner and hit the driver's side of our car at uh, probably 35 miles an hour. Now, what happened was that woman had was in a rush and she jammed on rather the brake, the accelerator. It was an honest mistake, which didn't stop her smashing her car into my car. My entire family was in the car and all three of the other individuals in the car were fine. But because this Range Rover hit with considerable force on where the driver was sitting, i.e. me, I had to be stretched out of there to an ambulance with glass sticking in my neck, with me in deep shock, with um, with the snow coming down and my body temperature being rather dangerously low. I remember having to pick the side mirror out of my side, which is why, as I'm recording this right now, six weeks later, it still hurts there. I've got bruised ribs. So, yes. I was in quite a lot of pain for the rest of December, and that's where I was. Also, the car was a write-off. Oh, by the way, they had to physically cut me out of the car. It was that smashed up. I was very lucky not to have anything broken or having severe concussion, etc. Less than a month later, the whole family catches COVID. Now, we had incredibly mild symptoms. In fact, I didn't know I had COVID until the PCR came back saying, you got it. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> so that meant that our Christmas was ruined. Couldn't see my parents for the second year in a row. Really? And also in the background, because of the bruised ribs, every time I cough, it hurts. And for the first week, every time I laughed, it hurt. So I, we had to just watch really miserable stuff on TV, even though I wanted to just cheer myself up. Not a great end to 2021. I hope you can agree with that. Okay. So with all that in mind, I was looking forward to Don't Look Up. But no way was I going to watch that on Christmas Eve. It's a strange time to actually release it. But the point of it is this. It's a wonderful skewering satire starring everybody. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence, Leonardo DiCaprio are the two sort of main cast characters, but pretty much everybody else just wanders on at some point, you know, be it Meryl Streep or whoever. They're just, just, just everybody's in this film. And the idea is this. You've got these two scientists who discover that there is a colossal comet, well, meteorite, asteroid. There are different scientific reasons for where they are in the Earth's atmosphere, etc. And it's coming towards Earth, and there's basically nothing we can do, and it's a... it's basically an extinction-level event. It's it's going to wipe us all out, much like the dinosaurs, only more so. This thing's bigger. You can see why that... I wasn't particularly in the mood to watch that, but the point is this. What happens next is they, the scientists try and explain it to the politicians, and this is an inconvenient truth, basically. And so some of the politicians just decide to not to believe it. And when the, you get the scientists talking on talk shows, it's sort of like, oh, that's uh, really interesting. So is there uh, anything we can do? Don't you understand? This is sort of going to wipe us all out. How big is this thing, though? Like, can it destroy my ex-wife's house? Is that possible? <laughs> There's a 100% chance that we're all going to die! 
<laughs> okay, well, after the break, we're going to have an interview with a, a dog that can laugh or you know, whatever. You know, people just aren't listening. And, and that's kind of what's going on in the world. When it was written a few years ago, it was meant to be a satire of the basically all the people denying that there is things like climate change going on. But since then, with the whole anti-vaxxing movement, it now very much feels like it's a satire of that. And the name of it, Don't Look Up, is because that's literally the slogan of some of these, you know, Whatever the slogan is for anti-vaxxers or for climate change deniers, this is the basically the asteroid deniers. Don't look up because if you see anything up there, it's basically a government propaganda or whatever. If this sounds insane, I guess in a way we could argue it was insane. But then we've proved how insane the world has been over the last few years. Sadly, I just just. Wow. Wasn't 2020 and 2021 exhausting? I cannot. You may say, Jem, don't say it. It's only tempting fate, but I cannot. I am touching wood right now. I'm knocking on wood. I cannot see that 22 is going to be worse than those two years. I genuinely feel, I mean, that's the thing about Omicron. It's highly infectious in the sense that you can catch it really easily. It's not even as bad as a cold for my entire family. And, you know, look, I'm pushing 50, I'm asthmatic, and I was in a car crash. So what I'm, the reason why I'm saying all those things is clearly I'm not a man in his absolute prime. If I was a sort of 23-year-old and this is a bodybuilding channel, then, you know, who are you to talk about it? But, yeah, I'm not Mr. Peak Physical whatever. I do... Well, I used to before the before the accident. I did used to work out regularly during the week because I didn't want my belly to get any bigger. And I'm not doing that at the moment because, yeah, I still hurt. And I've been advised by the osteopath that not to do that. Anyway, I'm talking too much about myself. Point is this. Quite frankly, if we're shutting down the whole world for something which is less bad than a cold, then I would argue that this is now the time to start opening things up. Uh, I am, for the record, both double vaccinated and booster shotted as well. So, yeah, that's probably why it didn't affect me too much. But that shows you that these things work, people. For all the people who keep saying, you know, the vaccines are killing thousands, it's like, where are you getting that information from? And where are you getting the information about how many people are dying of COVID? Now, I bet there's some kind of wonderful circular logic they're going no everybody who died from covid actually died from the vaccine or some idiocy like that but uh, i don't know it's, it's all pretty tiring and you didn't come onto this podcast to hear this yes get on with it if you like that's the setup for don't look up it was actually satirizing one thing which is still a thing you know we obviously had the big summit in the middle of covid in britain all about the whole you know climate change needs and and sort of like trying to come up with new targets and things like that and we still didn't get the whole world to agree that that's something that needs to happen it's going to take india 50 years to stop using coal which seems a pretty long time and now with the anti-vaxxing and also the the other sort of controversies right about some people not believing that donald trump didn't lose the election and so on and so forth you are fake news yeah i don't look up it looks less and less like a parody or satire and more and more like a gritty docudrama basically where does this now get us to the world of actual history because as i said at the beginning actually when you want to talk about history the evidence is there that human beings love looking up what's the name of our galaxy 
And this is the weird thing. Every other galaxy, pretty much, not quite, but pretty much every other galaxy has some kind of name like CR322N or something like that. So ours is, of course, called the Milky Way. Because if you've ever seen it without all the ambient light from being in a town or city, if you've actually been in the middle of nowhere and you're sort of in the right time of the year, then you see this huge streak of white across the sky, the Milky Way. It looks like a pathway across the sky. Why? Because basically our galaxy is like a giant disk. And at that point, we are looking through across the cross section of that disk. That's why it looks like that. Now we only know that with modern science. And that's the other interesting thing if we're gonna talk about astrology and astronomy, that we get the idea from, well, all kinds of ancient civilizations, but I'm going to just stick to the West for the time being. But basically, for millennia, the consideration was that, in essence, the heavens, if you like, the, the sky at night, didn't change. Everything kind of may rotate for a while, but it's like clockwork, basically. The concept of supernovas and things like that just, just didn't exist. So the idea was that everything was fixed and that basically the stars were, I love the one idea in medieval Europe, the idea was that basically the heavens are almost like a dome over us. And yes, we've got planets and stars, sorry, the sun there, you know, they're, they're actual celestial bodies, but everywhere else, the stars, the little pinpricks of light, those are little holes on, if you like, the cloth of the dome over our planet. And basically those little pricks are some of heaven's light coming through. So we can kind of sort of see glimpses of heaven. Love that, very poetic. What are they? They're fireflies. Fireflies that got stuck up in that big bluish black thing. Oh, gee. I always thought they were balls of gas burning billions of miles away. Pumba, with you? Everything's gas. Very romantic. But then we've got the likes of Galileo and Copernicus, and they start working out that we go round the sun, the sun doesn't go round us. But the point of, of this is we it's actually not until we get into the very end of the 19th century that the conversation isn't just about our solar system. When we talk about the heavens and space in 1500 or in 500 BC, it's basically everything we can observe, which tends to be our solar system. Yes, we now know that those stars are lots of light years away, but nobody had that concept then. So it was only in the 19th century that we get the concept of the galaxy. And then even bigger than that, the universe is sort of more a 20th century concept. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So when you were born into this idea that we are one of billions upon billions of galaxies in this huge, ever-expanding universe. And our galaxy is only one of millions of billions in this amazing and expanding universe. That's an incredible, there's only been a few handful of generations that know that. And all the other generations just thought everything stopped and finished with our solar system, which I, I find a absolutely fascinating idea but people did recognize that there were interesting things out there in the solar system so one of the key things with don't look up is this asteroid's going to hit us now i said earlier comet asteroid meteorite let me explain first of all if something is going through our atmosphere it is at that point a meteorite and if it ends up landing on planet Earth, then you know it's meteorite material and we can pick it up or whatever. Now, the difference between an asteroid and a comet is an asteroid is made out of rocks and metals and a comet is made out of gases and basically uh, frozen liquids of some description. With you, everything's gas. Could be nitrogen, could be water, whatever. And one of the interesting, really interesting ideas is we don't know what was happening on primordial Earth like three billion years ago when the, when the planet was forming in the solar system. We don't know exactly what the atmosphere was like. And more importantly, where did all this water come from? Two thirds of the Earth's surface is covered in water. We have the water cycle, you know, the whole the water evaporates in the sea, turns into clouds, rains down on the land, filters into the rivers that go back out to the sea again. And, that cycle repeats itself. What I find fascinating is we don't make water. We, it gets recycled in that cycle, which you learn in school. So that means that you're drinking the same water that the dinosaurs were drinking. And so there was a theory that we do know that the early Earth, this is way before life even evolved on the planet, was being hit by lots of meteorites, asteroids, etc., comets. And so there was a theory that maybe it get, got bombarded by so many water-rich comets that that's where we got our water from. So they actually landed, and this, I'm talking like three, four years ago, they landed a probe onto a nearby comet to test the water. And they discovered that the water there 
was so different to the water on planet Earth that either they'd freak coincidence gone on to the one comet that was completely different to all the other comets, which is statistically less likely than the other finding, which is the water from planet Earth was formed here naturally and wasn't brought in by comets. But this idea of seeding, another thing is, where exactly did life start? How did life start? Maybe it had been seeded. Microorganisms fell off a comet and started breeding here, and that's how uh, life started on Earth. That still could be a thing. We, we don't know. But of course, as people have pointed out, that doesn't solve the problem of how life started. It just tells us how life got to planet Earth. It doesn't tell us how it started on some other celestial body at some point. So that's a fascinating idea. But this is all very recent science that I'm telling you now. Instead, let's go back to what people were seeing out there. Well, one thing, and I did say, you know, people didn't see supernovas. Actually, they did, but they didn't realize it. There was this incredibly bright light in the sky that was so bright it could be seen during the day, which, as you know, is incredibly rare for a celestial feature. And this was noted not only in Western chronicles, but in Chinese chronicles, too. And people managed to work out where they were talking about in the sky. And what they saw is, I believe, it's the crab-headed nebula, which is the, the gaseous remains of a supernova. A supernova is basically when a sun or a star runs out of its fuel and, in essence, implodes. It is the single most violent event in, in the universe. And sometimes if it's big enough, if it implodes and sort of shakes off all, all of its power and, and detritus, it can turn into a black hole. On other occasions, because it can become so super dense, on other occasions, and more commonly, it just sprays its debris across the universe. And what's interesting is everything on the periodic table, if you want to whip out a periodic table, everything up to the element of iron we know was made during the Big Bang. Everything bigger than that is made in other events in the in the universe and in particular the super heavy metals things like gold for example which is an incredibly large atom compared to something like hydrogen then that we know is made in the last few hours of a supernova so if you have a, a gold ring for example that was made in the heart of a dead star billions of years ago and those particles sort of spread across the, the Milky Way and eventually settled on planet Earth. And that's where gold comes from. And, you know, as, as other people said that I can't remember off the top of my head who said this, but the elements that are in your own body, yes, we are largely like carbon and hydrogen and oxygen. You know, we're organic chemistry, but we do have other trace elements as well of like rare earth minerals and things like that. Those are basically stardust. You are made in part by stardust. And, I, and that it doesn't get more romantic than that for me. And obviously we're talking way before the even concept of history, concept of life on Earth. We're talking billions upon billions of years ago. Fascinating stuff, personally. That, that This stuff blows my mind. I am not a believer of any religion. And when you look at this sort of like, this information that we get from science, that sounds almost more fantastical, more wonderful than anything that you could sort of put in a holy book. 
But anyway, the other, as I said, so basically we've got evidence of astronomers looking up into the heavens in ancient China and ancient Europe. And there are entire structures, buildings in places like India and Mexico, which were used centuries ago by people trying to start measure and predict movements in the solar system. I know in one of the Warhammer episodes, I mentioned how there's the long count of the Aztec calendar that was meant to end basically at Christmas 2012. Victims adhere to the Mayan calendar, which predicts the end of time to occur on the 21st of December of 2012 which led to a movie, as well as all kinds of weird conspiracy theories. But actually, if you look at their culture, what they were trying to do is show that this sort of 5,000 year long, long count, as opposed to the like 50 odd year short count, they were trying to express basically the immense time out there in space. And they were wrong, but they were going in the right direction. And this is a society that didn't even use metals for anything other than decoration. You know, no armor or weapons or anything like that. They hadn't produced steel, for example. They were able to smelt gold. So, yeah, so that civilization that still used sometimes stone tools and stone weapons was still sophisticated enough to start creating calendars that lasted for millennia, not centuries, millennia. Amazing. And they had specific groups of people whose job was to look at the stars and the heavens. We can't stop looking up. You know, one of the first things you probably got taught as a kid is twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. You know, children are encouraged to think about stars and the moon and look up into the sky. And there is something magical about seeing. For a while, my wife was was sort of into astronomy and I bought her for one of her birthdays, a, a decent telescope. And look, well, first of all, it is slightly disappointing that everything you see in telescope is upside down. Nobody tells you that, okay? But suddenly being able to see Tycho, the really big crater at the bottom of the moon, you could just clearly see it. It's like, wow, that's that's something special. And if you've got a decent enough telescope, you can see, I mean, a pretty good one, to be honest, not something for like a hundred pounds, hundred dollars, something better than that, you know, being able to see the spot on Jupiter and just sort of seeing a planet hanging there in the blackness of, of space. That awe and wonder exists in 21st century people. I know I am one. So imagine what that was like to somebody a thousand years ago, which, you know, doesn't have the, all the science and education and documentaries that I've been lucky enough to see over my lifetime. The one thing that Brian Cox was actually, you know, he's a popular scientist. He had Professor Brian Cox. He, he teaches at Manchester University. He was at CERN uh, in Switzerland. He also used to be in a pop band, D-Ream. He's probably the coolest scientist that's ever lived, but he was actually the scientific advisor on Don't Look Up. Now, obviously he wasn't there to talk about the satire, but he was able to sort of like use the proper terminology and get Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence to say the right things and perhaps have the laboratory look the right way and observatory, I should say, all that kind of stuff. That's brilliant. But he also made a wonderful comment that Mars is the only planet in the universe solely populated 
by robots. I want to go to Mars! So if you don't think you're in the future, you already are. There is a there is a planet out there that's solely populated by robots, little rovers and things like that. That's an amazing story. It's an amazing fact to, to know. So, you know, we're making our own bits of science right now, but people have been looking at these things for a long, long time. What's interesting is that Galileo originally started to get the attention of the various powerful Italian families as an astrologer. He thought they wanted an astronomer, and he was a very good astronomer who could look and start measuring the sort of distances and, and from what he could see, and he had a rudimentary telescope, and he was there for scientific observation. But around the world, there has been this desire to use the heavens to somehow tell us the future. There are so many different ways to tell the future. You know, we've all heard of like reading of tea leaves or tarot cards. My favorite one is tyromancy. That's using cheese to tell the future. Don't have time to go into it, but look, people have done all kinds of crazy things in the past to try and work out what's gonna happen in the future. And so why not use the heavens, you know, the most mystical thing that we can see every single day or night specifically, why not use them? But it is worth pointing this out. If you are a believer in this stuff, look, no harm, no foul, all right? But it is worth remembering this. A 12th of the population of planet Earth is not exactly like you, and yet they would be if you're all Sagittarius or whatever it may be. Secondly, why are these planets, or sorry, these stars, many light years away, much further away from the largest gravitational pull in the whole of the solar system is the Sun, and second is Jupiter. Those aren't two of the symbols or the considerations in that stuff. Quite frankly, wherever you were born, the gravitational pull from the building opposite at that hospital is much more impactful than you than any star light years away that happens to be in the sky when you were born. It's all mumbo jumbo, okay? There's no such thing as magic. But what's interesting is it's kind of universal mumbo jumbo. It doesn't matter if we're in ancient China or in Mesoamerica or in Middle Ages, or let's face it, today in lots of places, this is still something that people like to do to try and learn a little bit more about what might be coming their way or down, coming down the road towards them. The other thing is you get comets. So Halley's Comet, as some people have said, China is always trying to make claim for everything, going, oh, I think you'll find we discovered it much earlier. It's like, yes, Halley wasn't the person to discover it. It's there in the Bayer Tapestry showing you the events of 1066. That's about 700 years before Halley existed. What Halley managed to do is he pieced together sightings and worked out this sort of 72-ish year gap. And he hypothesized that we were seeing something going around the solar system and it was going to come back again. And so Haley projected, we will next see it on this year. And it was after he died, but he was right. So I think, yeah, we get to call it Haley's Comet because he was the first person not to have observed it, but to have worked out we're all seeing the same comet. But that comet was seen on many occasions to be a portent of foreboding, an omen from the gods, whatever. And indeed, you know, putting it on the Bayer tapestry, that was the end of Anglo-Saxon England. We get an invasion, we got two invasions, one from Vikings, then from the Normans, from France. So yeah, so it does look like Halley's Comet's kind of telling us that this is going to be a big, important year, which is a, a wonderful idea. So, so yes, it doesn't matter what era we're in, doesn't matter which continent we're on, people do like to look up. 
It's it's romantic. When you wish upon a star. When you wish upon a star. There it is, Wendy. Second star to the right, straight on to morning. One of the sort of key lines from, from Peter Pan and also from, you know, which has been picked up by Disney. You know, we use stars all that you're a star. You know, we give people five star reviews. Please give this podcast a five star review if you can. That'd be lovely, by the way. So, yes, yeah, so for some reason we, we make these connections with stars. Super important. So actually the one bit about don't look up that doesn't actually work is we would look up. We love looking up. It's a great thing to look up, but in terms of being an excellent satire on hysteria that happens in the world, then yeah. And if you are one of the people who really enjoys sort of like looking into, well, are we 100% sure that Donald Trump didn't lose the election? Or how convinced are we that, that uh, global warming isn't just something invented by people who want to sell more solar panels or whatever? The key thing here is, I'm going to go back to the historical thing. There may be a good story in a chronicle, but how reliable is that chronicle? We need to look at the biases and there's no such thing as a non-biased chronicle. This is why reading scientific papers is so hard is because they try and take all the bias out by taking all the adjectives out so it's just very dry information but hey the only thing that beats modern science is better science it's not that thing you read on facebook or your favorite politician just spouting off something on a on a news network or whatever i'm sorry but science is pretty strict on this somebody's come up with this pretty strong evidence which has been tested in laboratories over and over again and then and sometimes people come up with better science, but not always. And sometimes, you know, E equals MC squared. That work was worked out a hundred years ago and it's still as true then as it is today. So yeah. By the way, last thing I'm gonna tell you, wonderful thing, is laboratory. Always wondered, where's that come from? I don't think that's Greek and it isn't. It basically comes from the Royal Society, which was a scientific endeavor set up by King Charles II of Britain. This was in London and he wanted basically to get scientists together to debate science. So. Actually, the first word for these places where they gather and share their scientific research was an elaboratory. <laughs> trying to say that properly. Basically, they were elaborating. So an elaboratory turned into just laboratory. But there we go. So lots of science this time round. Hope you enjoy. And look, if I've sort of inspired you to check out some of Adam McKay's other movies, then Vice and The Big Short are really good, modern, slightly funny views of you know, what's happened in the 20th and 21st centuries in, in America, socially and politically. And if you just want a good laugh, then Talladega Nights or Anchorman, whichever one you want to go for, then, then fill your boots. But yeah, he's a really talented individual. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, a new episode coming soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.